0: Welcome to Ear Biscuits. I'm Rhett. And I'm Link this week at the Round Table of Dem Lighting. We are going to be throwbacking to another episode in. That means um we have ran out of time. <laughs> and we literally I think it's have run, isn't it? Well, I I've said throw back it. I'm making all types of order. I well, we're gonna we're gonna play an old episode, and we'll tee that up in a second. Because one, I can't speak well enough. No, uh, two, we don't have a second before you have to run out and and uh, have another data point, plot point in the the neighbor potential litigation
1: saga. Well, I haven't. I mean, I haven't even given you the update from the very first story, which I which I'll do here in a second. But yeah, so we're gonna actually play, uh, this is a repeat for those of you who are longtime time Ear Biscuits listeners. We usually don't, we've never done this, but we're doing it because we wanna give you something rather than give you nothing. So we're gonna be replaying uh, the very first episode of Ear Biscuits we
0: ever did that was just the two of us. Episode so, 22, it was called Childhood, released on February 28th, 2014. Yeah, we tell a lot of stories of that
1: uh some stories that end up being in the book. I like talk about me spending the night at other people's houses. You talk about some of your other best friends. Well, it's the
0: first time we got really personal and I think it it was I think is even if you listen to it, I think you might find it interesting to listen back to it to see how um you know, some of those stories were seeds for the book or maybe the style of the podcast that we've settled on now, which is much more of us pouring our hearts out to you. In, in the dim lighting of just being here with each other, it's the first time we did it. So how did it feel then? How does it feel now? Um, I don't know what you'll learn if you're if you're re-listening to it, but if you're listening to it for the first time, uh, I think you'll learn a lot about us personally that we didn't get into anywhere else. Yeah. So enjoy that. But I will Be- g- because we just don't have. We got to. You got to take care of that.
1: And then it's just. And then we're getting up in the morning and heading to our next tour of Mythicality. Oh day. man, it's just kind of a crazy uh, moment, guys. Yeah, there's. we thought we were gonna have time to record a whole episode. Sometimes this happens. Actually, this is the first time this happens. Um, but we're gonna give you a little something, a little something new. Um, so you know, I told you about this. Now again, I've been very careful to not be disparaging about my neighbor, even though you've tried to egg me on. Because uh-huh. there is the distinct possibility that he will somehow end up listening to this. And I but I'm very honest in my assessment that my goal all along has been to have a congenial neighborly relationship with my neighbor
0: in spite of the disagreement uh that we are having because over that, this tree. Yeah, and I agree the way you truly win is by being his friend. You, because if, because he doesn't want to be your friend. If that is your perspective, that's my if this perspective. is about winning. That's great. That's, that's my that's, perspective, that's, that's, not that's what yours. You want. Uh, if the lawyers I want
1: I want to have a good relationship now what you don't know your biscuitier, is that uh, since that initial I'm gonna take your tree and put it in your driveway if you don't get it out you have one day which I didn't do that uh, was followed up by a letter from a lawyer I, I was I received a letter from a lawyer
0: ooh your that, own lawyer
1: I hope uh, no it was from his lawyer that's worse. Yeah, uh, that's interesting that you would even question that. Uh, but it was from his lawyer.
0: Our lawyer letters us all the time. That's how he likes to communicate.
1: It basically said that uh, you have until a certain date to get this tree, not only the tree, the tree, the sprinkler that goes to it and the light that goes to it out of my client's yard. Oh, wow. Uh, and if you don't, we will be forced to use every, you know, everything at our disposal to, you know, to, to because you're violating a certain penal code, basically. Broke out the word penal, hmm. uh, which always sounds a little dirty. But um, so <laughs> basically what I thought when I received this letter is like, okay, this is escalated. And uh, what I did is I responded to the lawyer. Who knew it could escalate, by the way. With a letter that I wanted him to pass along to his client. And uh, the, the summary of my letter is that, you know, I am more than willing to remove this tree, this light, and this sprinkler from my yard because I am much more interested in having a congenial neighborly relationship with my neighbor than I am having a tree next to my driveway which happens to be in his yard. But I must say that I'm a little bit confused uh, by the fact that he wants this tree removed when his entire front yard is a collection of trees and he also has this exact tree multiple places in his yard already. There's no one, no one who came into our yard would know that's not his tree. All of this is in the
0: letter or you just talking
1: to me now? No, I said that in the letter, but I said said it in a a nice way. I basically said, I'm a little confused why he wouldn't want this tree and I think that maybe something else has happened that I don't know about that has upset him and I am Mm. What I wanna do. I think you're on to something with that. What I wanted to do, I said, I wanna sit down and have a conversation. I wanna have a face-to-face conversation where we talk about this and we find out exactly what he's upset about so it could be rectified. Uh, I said, I'm sorry about the fact that I trimmed the tree from his yard that was You apologized for into, the thing. That was encroaching on my yard. And then I put the, tr- the clippings on the curb in his yard, knowing that I was going to get my dudes to clean it up. But I apologize for that again, said that'll never happen again. And
0: did you say you wanted to have that face-to-face conversation in court?
1: No, I said. Good. So I sent this, th- this back to the lawyer and the lawyer responded to me and said, uh, thank you for your professional and kind letter. Nice. Uh, I really hope that the two of you can get together and work this out. So it wasn't, he, he did not respond with, well, you've got until this date to get the tree. Mm-hmm. So the date passed, uh, I gave my information to my neighbor in the letter, the letter via his lawyer uh, and then he texted me and said, uh, hi, I would, yes, I would like to meet and he suggested a time and uh, that is in, uh, my wife is actually calling me because that is in 40 minutes and I gotta be there. Let me Let me take this call.
2: He's taking the call hey. right now. Backing away from the microphone to have a semblance of privacy, but of course, if we listen closely, we might be able to hear a little bit of it. I can hear that she's talking, but I cannot understand anything she's saying. Uh, can can you go? I think they're just trying to figure out where they're going to meet, to then be together when they have the meeting.
1: So what are you uh, trying to
2: neighbor? Do?
1: Can you can you? Can can you go to an ATM and just get
2: money? There's money. They're talking about money. I don't know what that has to do with any of this. Maybe they're going to bribe him. That's just me talking, though. If the yeah, lawyers just do that, are listening, do that. that's just me being funny.
1: Yeah, I'm actually in the middle of recording a podcast right he's now. Telling he's telling her he's recording on. a
2: podcast right now.
1: Um, and that she's on no, it. No, I mean, my end of the conversation is on it. And that, that she can't be um, heard, but he can't. So can you just pay with that, and then we'll figure it out?
2: And then I will meet you uh, I will meet you at the place he, at Rett, the time. Rat was about to say the place and the time, but then decided not to because right. you're listening. He's off the phone now. He's back.
0: Okay, that was my wife. What are you talking about money for? Are you going to bribe the guy? Uh, no, she was.
1: Um, this is confusing. I don't know. Oh, gosh. She 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 just got her nails done and <laughs> she doesn't have a way to get to pay. Are you so, serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's going to use the company card. And then we're going to have to, you know, we're going to have to call it the accountant and, re- and reimburse the company for no, her nails. We
0: just need to make a video about her getting her nails done. Done. It's a business expense. Okay,
1: so you know all that to lead up to the fact. Or, that. Or you know what? We just made it a business expense. We're talking about it on ear biscuits. Okay, done. I won't reimburse. You're
0: saying that my wife's nails are on the and company. A, okay. And again, if if uh, if any of the IRS people are listening, um, if that's legal, then I'm in it. Listen. And if they're not listening, then that was a joke. Yeah. Uh, so I'm having that meeting, and, uh, and. And your wife's nails are gonna look
1: good for it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it'll be the two of us. I actually think the Shepherd is going to be there because. Oh, that is, uh, hold on. I think the Shepherd is gonna be there and if we, we're gonna give him a phone and kind of set him up. Jesse said we'll put him in a different table. Oh gosh, Rhett. Different table with the phone.
2: That can't, is that a good idea? No, I think. I'm staying out of think You he, know what, I think. Nope,
0: he, don't even answer the question because I, I didn't it huma- ask I think it humanizes the family a little bit. <laughs> you know, this is just a couple of. Look, we have a small
1: human that this, lives in our house. Right, and yeah, this, just trying to. He's just, he has his own phone. the human species. So anyway, I have a lot of confidence that we're gonna be able to come to some sort of uh congenial conclusion. Well, I. I really feel that way.
0: Th- you I know. Really hope. I I hope so, but I, I just wanna go ahead and tell you that I also wrote <laughs> him a letter via his lawyer. Yeah. So he might have a little more information than what was in your letter and what you're going to share with him. Um, I don't believe that. No, I don't write letters. That's that's so archaic. No, but I mean, this is uh, I got to tell so, you. So that will be another subsequent ear biscuit. That oh my gosh, or it might be broadcast live on court TV. Does that still exist? If oh, if this should. doesn't that's if this doesn't pan out, so I'm interested. I want to be on the people's court. Man, Does that still I, exist? Can I go? Can I be at a table with Shep and and like be recording it on my own no. video? Man? No. Can you record it with a voice? I honestly
1: notes? don't know how I even feel about the fact that I've been sharing details about it. I mean, yeah, even, I can tell you're second
0: guessing it, and I'm like, because it's not you're probably it's probably a good idea. No, no, no,
1: no, because you
0: you want to you, make entertainment. It's all about I have entertainment. No, nothing's for you. at stake for me except being entertaining.
1: But like I actually I, I care about this that relationship. Palm tree. Not just the fact that the guy is You the, want
0: that tree to stay there. <laughs> seriously, I don't. I don't care. I am one hundred percent honest.
1: My wife probably wants it more than I no, do.
0: No, I I believe you. I'm just giving you a hard time for entertainment um, purposes. But it, lawyers. I mean they're listening. And there
1: is a chance that when I sit down with him tonight, he'll say, Um, I actually heard you talk about me on your podcast and I mean and that may that may get I mean, but even though I I believe that you I- You said I, what he did. I have represented him truthfully and I have represented my intentions but we truthfully. Found, but we found it humorous and he may not be able to do that. That's true, that's true. We like what we, but we like to find the comedy in everything, you know? What, life, what, death, what is life? taxes. Yeah,
0: death is funny. Not really politics, not really religion, yeah. but- You can die in a funny way. Yeah. I hope to die in a funny way. I think way. that's why we joke about death so much is because we don't joke about politics or religion. Mm-hmm or anything controversial. So we could just turn to
1: death and farts.
0: Yeah, death and farts, that's that's, that's and weird.
1: M- and mild sexual innuendo <laughs> that makes some people feel uncomfortable. <laughs> that's our MO.
0: Oh man, you know what? Um, are you gonna order, you gotta order a drink, you know? What are you gonna order? Well, it's a coffee shop. I mean, What are you gonna order? Uh, a, a decaf tea. <laughs> and are you gonna, is it gonna be that awkward thing where you're both in line and then it's like, you wanna get into it but you're gonna be having to order. So you're gonna be in line with the guy, you gotta think about this, you need to get there early, go ahead and order and be seated. Mm. And he might be thinking the same thing. I need to leave now then. And then you're both in line together no matter what. So you might need to be late, so he already has his drink and he's seated. Or you need to look through the window and if he's already seated, good if he's not there good this is a good point cuz you don't want to pre you don't want to pre talk you don't want to pre talk in line cuz you uh, you know you're no, not going to have a talk say, in line
1: hey i'm going to get a drink real quick and then we'll sit
0: down but what if he's in line uh then i'm not going to talk to him you're going to stand next to him in line and not talk to him me, at I, all? G- I need to go right now i got to figure this out but okay. <laughs> what i got to go it's time I, if well, i'm going leave right do? now i'm not going to get you need there. to decide i'm going to figure it out on the way it's a half well, hour drive just if he's already seated down you're good but if he's not uh, I'm gonna give him the nod and the point that I'm gonna get my drink and I'm gonna sit if down. If he's in line, listen, This is if he's oh, in gosh. line, you just sit down and I say, really you know what, to I'm not gonna get a drink, I'm not really thirsty. And then you, you'll, you'll be seen like a freeloader, which is what he's already accusing you of. Oh man, you're screwed. Oh, oh, you I, better get out of here. Yeah, I'm going, bye. Oh gosh, oh gosh, I am so freaking nervous for him. Not really though, this is gonna be so entertaining when we hear about it, oh, I can't wait. And we'll share all of it. If you never hear about this again, boy, that must mean it went really wrong that he can't talk about it at all. I should show up and film it through the window and overdub it. Like we could get like bad lip reading. I love that channel. We could get them to like overdub the thing. That would be hilarious. I wonder if we'd have to share the revenue with his neighbor. Hmm, I wonder what his wife's nails are gonna look like. I bet she got some sort of like tropical thing. You know how they do that these days? They'll like put, it's not just colors on nails anymore, you know, it's like scenes. They'll do like palm trees and coconuts and Mai Tais and coconuts. There's whole YouTube channels dedicated to Nails. Man, I wonder if we could get into that, you know? Start doing nails on our channel. Jesse, Rhett's wife could get in on that. Totally justify using the business card. Hmm, could really come up with something here. But you know what, That's uh, I forgot you were listening for a second. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna tee up this childhood episode 22. Back from, tw- man, 2014. Man, that's like that's like f- almost four years ago. It's crazy to think about. I don't know, see how it hits you. Let us know, hashtag Ear biscuits. once that thing is done. Um, I might come back and, and say a little something to you at the end of it. But first, before I do that, I wanna show some love to our sponsor Ear Biscuits is supported by HelloFresh. HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service that shops, plans, and delivers your favorite step-by-step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so you can just cook, eat, and enjoy. You like to eat, don't you? And this might help you like to cook and you like to enjoy stuff that you've eaten, especially if you cooked it, because that can be a rewarding process, I'm told. My family is really into it, so I just stay out of the way. You choose your delivery day for when it works best for your busy schedule and they offer a wide variety of chef-curated recipes that change weekly. You can choose from one of three different meal plans, classic, veggie, and family. Right now we're doing the veggie plan because we thought we don't usually eat just vegetarian meals and so, and we wanted to start doing that more often. So this was actually our opportunity to start doing that as a family and it's great. Uh, you know, I would say I don't miss the meat. And I also don't miss wasting ingredients because you have you get too much of something, then it goes bad. HelloFresh makes it so easy to cook delicious, balanced dinners for less than $10 a meal per person. My, hey, that's pretty great. I highly recommend that you try out HelloFresh just like we have, we're very happy with it. And you know what? For $30 off your first week of HelloFresh, we got a code for you, go to hellofresh.com and enter EAR30 because you get the $30 off your first week. That's EAR30 once you visit HelloFresh.com. Again, HelloFresh.com, enter EAR30. Now on to the biscuit that's a throwback to childhood. Welcome to Ear Biscuits, I'm Rhett. And I'm Link. It's time for another conversation with someone interesting from the internet. That, or not. What?
1: Well, I mean, the, don't sell us that short. I mean, what I was going to say, this week, that interesting person is you, Link. Oh, <laughs> and you,
0: Rhett. And me. Us. Okay, guys, Here, here's what we're going to do. Um, we're just going to interview each other. That's what Rhett and I have decided. We're going <laughs> to interview each other. This is an experimental, fresh out, out of the out-of-the-box thinking type of Ear Biscuit here. Um, hopefully, I I believe that this is going to be a wild ride of in-depth conversation between the two of us. Right, okay, so... Involving some Twitter questions as well.
1: Yeah, I, I think the thing that we have discovered about Ear Biscuits is that it's been fascinating getting to know uh, all the people that we've talked to. And... We just have a feeling that because there is, or are, two of us... There is two of us. There is two of us. We are going to take advantage of the fact that there is two of us, and we're going to talk to each other, because I'm kind of operating on the premise that we know each other incredibly well, and we have discussed a lot together. We've also, incidentally, discussed a lot on the internet. People know a lot about our lives, but... with you. But... I still believe there is quite a bit that I don't know about you and that you don't know about me. And maybe things that need to be rehashed. And I don't mean like, let's go back and, you know,
0: open up old wounds or maybe, I don't know, maybe that will happen. Dig up the buried hatchet? No, I don't think that will happen. Um, But maybe you're saying that, is there a challenge here that we'll see if we can learn something new about each other while the audience Members out there. Yeah, that's where learn, I think. Learn the, about us and the intimacies of our workings. I think that's the way the, the magic
1: is going to happen. I'm not kidding because I, I, we thought about okay, well, we, sure. we, we wanted to do a, a semi regular episode of Ear Biscuits where we talk to each other. So I will say at the beginning, uh, depending on how this goes, how we feel about it, and how you feel about it, uh, we're going to do it again if everyone agrees that this is something worth doing.
0: So you so can let, let us, us know. Yeah, let us know on uh, Twitter, uh, hashtag Earbiscuits. But we're not changing the course of Ear Biscuits. No, no, no. I, no. I do wanna clarify that. We have that. a lot of
1: amazing guests lined up and that's gonna keep happening on, that will be the vast majority of what Ear Biscuits is all about. Right,
0: so every now and again we just wanna, if if this is something fun, this is something that works for everybody, maybe we'll bring it back. Uh, so once a month or every so often. I don't know. We're not committing, but... And the last thing I'll say before we dive in and starting to interview each other is you just yawned. I'm just going to pull a Glozell. I'm you're, calling you you're, out.
1: I'm already bored with you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what is up with that? Don't do that, man. It hasn't been that long of a day. Um, I love my job. Hmm. I love what I do. Hmm. And one of the... I mean... It's a privilege to be able to just dream up things and do it and to have you listen to us and enjoy hanging out with us. I mean, I'm sincerely thankful for that. Uh, One of my favorite parts of the job that I think is highlighted here in this exercise here Mm. is we get to try new things. It's, you know, the analogy of just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. And I think this is just another example of that. It's energizing from a creative standpoint to try new things and just to see what happens. I mean, that that's the key to success and maintaining relevance in in the world of entertainment anyway. I mean, for us to be as successful as they have been, and I, I feel like it's trying to keep your head above water and maintain relevance, and you just have to try new things and see what, what works. So... That's exciting to me. It's energizing, doing I'm not, the same thing I'm not doing, to get old.
1: I'm not doing this to be successful, Link. I'm doing this because I care about you. <laughs>
0: I want, did
1: it sound like I was saying doing it to be successful? I mean, no. I mean, people might think that, though.
0: What, I, well, what I'm trying to say you're is just that saying it, you're it's, a, of, it's a creative endeavor to te- try new trying things to innovate. and see what works. Trying to innovate.
1: And I'm just saying that I it, it, originally when we were like, well, let's do, let's do an Ear Biscuit where we just talk to each other at first I was like, let's just shoot the breeze, you know, let's just do it when we talk and see where the conversation goes, but then it hit us it's like, no, the tone of this show is inquisitive, right? It isn't just two guys building on ridiculous ideas like we do every day on Good Mythical Morning. It's inquisitive. It's like, there's things that- And personal. It's personal and it's inquisitive, and that's what we're going to do. So what we have done is we wanted to, when we do a show like this, a special edition of a Rhett Link only Ear Biscuit, we want to make it themed. So Uh, we decided that let's just talk about childhood. Okay, now we've done this thing where we talk about people's childhood and their career and all this stuff. Maybe we'll get to all those things with us, but we wanted to start with childhood. So we've come up with some questions for one another, but we also prompted our Twitter followers. Link did this and I did this earlier. We said, hey, do you have any questions for the other that you want us to ask one another? And uh, so we have a collection of questions that we've come up with and a a collection of questions that you have come up with. And we're just gonna go back and forth and see where this goes.
0: Yeah, us, us. We've never interviewed each other. I've asked you questions. Yeah, I've asked in you, life. I've been like, "Where you want to go for lunch?" Yeah, kind of questions
1: that you did that today, and we went to that uh, place. I got huevos rancheros. It
0: was we went very the, good. We went to that place. I still taste it. Okay, um, is that your first question? No, because <laughs> l- lunch is over. It's can it's, you still uh,
1: taste what you ate for lunch? See, <laughs> <laughs> si, I can.
0: I cannot. Um, I think this is a good place to start. We're gonna, I mean, this is not my question. This is from Bob Saget Has Swag on Twitter. Oh, I thought that was Bob Sage Et Has Swag. Uh, tell the story of how you became Blood Brothers. Um. Not really a question, but we'll go with it anyway. Would you please tell us the story? What if I added that? It would be polite. Um, okay, so... The story of us becoming blood brothers, I, I think we may have mentioned it in places, but I don't know that we've ever fully unpacked the true story of the blood oath pact. Which that, re- it really happened. That we really made uh, in high school, so.
1: And it has been uh, catalogued or uh, uh, represented in our documentary that we made uh, years ago called Looking for Miss Locklear where we kind of tell the story about the blood oath that we made. And in the movie, we reenact that and we, or we, we say we went back actually, to the same
0: place. No, we talked about how we went to the rock. To well, the rock, uh, right. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, didn't yeah, talk yeah. about the blood we oath. We didn't say the blood oath, we right. a, I don't know where we talked about it. We talk about things all over the place, but this is gonna be the definitive place to tell this story now. Right. Um, I really think it starts with the cow pasture, don't you? I mean, that's the location of the blood oath, so I think that's the starting point.
1: Yeah, so we we, we grew up at Buies Creek, North Carolina, near uh, a country club, not in the country club. We weren't those kinds of people, so don't judge us. We were outside of the country club, very near to a place called Keith Hills. So right. this is a golf course.
0: Yeah, a, an 18-hole at the time, golf course. Right. And what hole was it that was on the... F- like the far edge of the golf course hole 3 it was hole, hole number two. it
1: was hole number 6 oh it was hole number 6 which is now uh it's they changed the back nine and the front nine so it's whatever that would be it's the 6 hole of the back nine so i guess that would be hole
0: number 16 i've never played golf i'm glad i'm honored that you're asking me uh, hole number fifteen. So you're like asking me math <clears throat> plus golf, and my mind is blown. It was
1: hole number six, and I'm just telling you this because it's the old number six. And if you have, if you happen to live in the area, if you go down there, and it's a par four that goes up a hill, and then to the right there's a creek, and across the creek there is a cow pasture that was constantly filled with cattle. And this was more attractive to us. Not that we were attracted to cows. (laughs) I mean, we did grow up in Bowie's Creek, but that's not what I mean. We were more attracted to the cow pasture than we were to the golf course, especially Link.
0: Yeah. Okay. (laughs) That's true. So what we would do is we would, um, after school... I mean, we had to have been like sixteen years old because you would we would drive our cars. I know we would ride our bikes. We might have been fourteen or fifteen when we started doing this, but we would go out to the cow pasture. Oh, it,
1: no, it was a middle. It, it, we started in middle school because Ben Greenwood was the one who came up with the idea, and we were really active with Ben in, in, in all throughout uh, right. elementary school and especially middle school.
0: So our favorite hobby was to go across the golf course, across the stream, into the cow pasture, and chase the cows. Uh, it Just a uh, you just called Bowie's Creek a stream, just so you know. That was
1: Bowie's Creek. That was the Creek oh, of Bowie's. Really? You called it the stream.
0: I did. I did not. I, I, I never I, knew I'm, that. I'm per, you didn't know that until right now. I've already learned something. I didn't know that was Bowie's Creek. That Buies. was Bowie's Creek. Wow. It ran behind my house, and then it kept going all the way through Keith Hills, and then. Oh, so nothing is more exhilarating in the town of Bowie's Creek than having a herd of cattle flee your presence, and it's just exhilarating to. Uh, do that until the farmer shows up and chases you off. But there was a pond there that the cows would get in and around the pond, there were some rocks, one of which was a very big rock within, I'm talking, it was probably a five foot tall boulder.
1: It was big. It was, it was obviously a rock that had been dug up out of the ground. You know, those farm ponds that are completely rectangular and they have two hills of dirt on each side of them. Because Man, they just dug it out with a big tractor.
0: So this big rock comes out and a little rock beside it. And for some reason, we, and this is what we talked about in, in the intro to the film, was we devised this plan where we would just have these long, drawn-out conversations after we were, when we were resting from chasing the cows, we would sit down on the rock, and we came up with this system that whoever was sitting on the big rock would have the floor to talk. And then the other person would sit on the small rock and listen and can only ask questions to keep the conversation going. We need that here on Ear Biscuits. It was very like much... a bigger chair and a littler chair. It was very much like an Ear Biscuit, wasn't it? Well, it was. It was kind of like this. And then after a while, we would you would have your time and then you would trade spaces and the person would sit on the big rock and they would have the floor to dictate the conversation. And I want to be clear here that our conversations, I
1: I don't remember a a whole lot of details, but that is what we're going to kind of talk about is what we ended up talking about. Our conversations were uh, probably, if we were to go back and listen to them now, we we would laugh at the what we thought, how we thought, the things that we said to each other, but we weren't just talking about what it was like to be in middle school. We were talking about the future. We, were we cer- always we, talked about the future.
0: We were certainly talking about girls at times. Um, we would talk about what you would imagine that kids would talk about. Look at that big cow. What? But we would talk about things a lot like of that. Yeah. What, if, what if that cow could fly? Would you ride it? You know, what if, what if I, I don't know? Just stupid stuff. Very
1: amateur middle school, uh, you know, philosophical questions. But the thing that strikes me but is we that, were very future oriented as well. Yeah, we we would talk about dreams, what it was that we wanted to do, and and I, and I, I want to be clear here that you know we grew up in Bowie's Creek, which was an amazing place to grow up, but it was not the kind of place that you just naturally. Uh, you didn't think about careers in entertainment or comedy. You didn't know anybody who did that kind of thing. So there wasn't any real sense that that was going to happen. But we decided one day that we started talking more about we wanted to do something, just this big uh, something that we didn't know what it was, but we wanted to do it together. Right. When we grew up.
0: We wanted to, yeah, and... um First of all, I'm sure this whole future orientation is something that knowing you and knowing myself better now, I can pretty much bet that this that whole future bend is something that came from your mind. Cause you just were always that's how you think. Whereas the whole system of who was talking when and how we how we talk You came and, up with that. You <laughs> can the rules of analyzing questions, I'm sure that was probably my idea. I can't remember, but just the way that our brains work differently. Uh, I could see how that would come together, but yeah, we would t- we would talk about what what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? We're gonna and it wasn't we didn't talk about entertainment at first. I think we did. We certainly knew we liked to entertain and show off and and take advantage of any audience that we could find. But the I but we can't but we had the idea to do the blood oath without saying okay, we're definitely going to be filmmakers. It was. Let's make a blood oath that we're gonna we're gonna be teammates in creating something. We're gonna be like business partners in whatever we do that like, yeah, we're friends now, but we we have a sense that we're gonna we're gonna like make something big. I don't know what it is, but we should probably write it down. Correct. And then well, if you're gonna write it down, we should probably cut ourselves and sign it in blood. I mean. And that's what we did. We
1: took two sheets of paper out there. We wrote down, we wrote something that was, I mean, unfortunately, I'll go ahead and tell you, uh, we don't have these sheets of paper anymore. As sad as that is, and in fact, Link is the one that would, st- I, I lose everything, or I used to lose everything. You'd lose things more now than I do now, but back in those days, you collected everything, right? Oh, but yeah. But you don't have the, the paper, but I can attest to you that it, it did exist at one point, point. and we wrote something that was like, we're gonna do something awesome, and we're gonna do that something awesome together. Now let's cut ourselves. And do you remember how we cut ourselves? I think it was like a shard of glass that was like laying in Yeah, the, it was like a it was like a sharp piece of glass. In the dirt. Yeah, yeah. It was this is not advised, by the way. And we cut our palms.
0: Yeah, you should cut your if you're gonna do a blood oath, you should cut like prick the end of your finger. Why? Yeah. Well, why cut your freaking? Well, I've palm? Ast- I've established that we were misguided. But <clears throat> <clears throat> we, and I kept that thing in my wallet for, for like two and a half years. Yeah. And then I lost the whole wallet. That's the problem. (laughs) Oh,
1: oh, that's what happened with you. I lost the
0: whole wallet.
1: Yeah, yeah. I just went home and probably set it down, and then you know my mom threw it away. But it meant a lot. (laughs) It meant the idea. It it meant a lot. The idea. I was definitely committed to the idea. Uh, Yeah. So that that was the question from uh, Bob. Bob Saget has swag. That that's the story. So I guess from that point on, it wasn't necessarily something that we talked a lot about. But there was always this guiding principle that was... Well, it's in blood. Yeah, know, You know, yeah. you know we, we don't have to talk about it all the time to know that it's going to happen. Yeah, we, 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 we've got we've to stay committed to this amorphous idea mm-hmm. that we're going to do something together. Something big. The word big was definitely in it. Now, here, here, Are you
0: going to ask me a question now? Yeah, do you yeah, want
1: to go first? I'm going to... Yeah, I am going to move uh, there, there's another question that I think is 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 good for for the both of us to discuss kind of like that, but I want to move this into a more one-on-one. Okay. Place. Um it's a little weird. Yeah, this is going to be strange. Go, I I'm, go for I it. like it though. <laughs> um Now, when we first met, we met in first grade. I moved from North Carolina. T- I mean, I moved from California to North Carolina and I met you at the time. You were at Bowie's Creek Elementary School. Do you think I
0: forgot? You know, I just, just for the benefit this is of the for audience. Every, everyone
1: listening. And uh, we met on that first day and, you know, there's a movie about that. <laughs> um, but you were living with your mom and your stepdad, Jimmy, mm-hmm. at the time, right? Which was in Buies Creek. Now- Jimmy Caps. Before that, where did you live? Ne- I don't know this. Before you moved in with Jimmy, where'd you live?
0: My mom and dad split up when I was two years old. And where were they? I don't remember. I was two. They weren't... I do remember. Well, I know. I don't remember. Uh, my dad was a farmer at the time, like a tobacco farmer, in Boone Trail, uh, which is like... I mean, you know, you le- between Lillington and Sanford, there's like nothing out there except fields, and, uh, you know, some of those were my dad's. And then a trail to and, Boone. Uh, I guess so. And there's... um. So that's where I was born. And... So, but uh, my—I mean—my first memories are, my mom got remarried to Jimmy, and uh, they were they were like friends from like high school, and Mm -hmm. yeah, so they had known each other for years, and then they both went through a divorce, and then I think rebounded. They both had they were in the rebound marriage together. They're not together now. When I was thirteen, they got divorced. But my my first memories are in that house that where you met me. with Jimmy and my my step the, the, the house in
1: Boones Creek, with Emmy, his, Emmy, his daughter. So, but where? But your mom? Okay, so you were in Boone Trail,
0: and I, I remember. I guess I remember the house that I was like born in, where my mom and dad lived. I'm pretty sure. And then where did sure where did your
1: mom live? My dad after still lived the, there. after the divorce from your dad. I'll explain why I'm asking this in a second. Um,
0: um I think that she moved into a trailer in my in her parents' like. Next door Andrew. to her parents, yeah, in and Andrew, in and
1: Andrew. I asked. Why? I asked this because I've never thought about this. Yeah, it's this is pretty. This is kind of crazy to think about too. Um, I know why I was in Bowie's Creek. You know what I'm saying? Like, I I came to Bowie's Creek because mm-hmm. my dad got a job at Campbell Law School teaching law, still teaches law at Campbell Law School until this day. Um. And that's why we moved from Thousand Oaks, California to Buies Creek, North Carolina. And I never really thought about the fact that like, you were in Buies Creek because your mom married a guy who lived in Buies Creek. Yeah, Jimmy had a house. And that was, and and I just wanna point out that that was was the seminal moment. You know, if if your mom had been like, you know, let's just stay here in Boone Trail or I'm gonna stay in Andrew, or she had not had a romantic connection with her former high school classmate, Jimmy Mm -hmm. Capps, you would have never been at Bowie's Creek School. Because I always wonder, I was like, what? I, I didn't know why your mom was in Bowie's Creek, you know, because it was, uh, or why Jimmy was there.
0: Because all of my family is in Lillington, other, other San- places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No family, I mean, uh, within 15 minutes. And so he, we
1: can uh, thank Jimmy Capps for this. There would have been no blood oath if there hadn't been a Jimmy Capps. We should call him right now.
0: I don't have his number. Okay. I mean, I remember the number that when I lived there. It's probably the same number. Okay, well, I'll just put it out there and then anyone can call it if they want to. <laughs> Do you remember the number? My first phone number where we were friends?
1: This is a really good question. <laughs> Because... Can
0: you
2: remember a phone
1: number? Well, no, but do you... No, but I, I think this is something that younger people today will not will not uh, understand. We knew everyone's phone number. Like, I remember Leslie Peoples' phone number. My Oh, you all, know, the, all the girlfriends. My first girlfriend. And first.
0: And... Now, there was a speed dial, but yeah, you had to basically know everybody's phone number because you had to punch it in. You couldn't pull it up on some smart device.
1: Okay, I'm gonna give you the number that we can bleep out. the Okay, mm-hmm. uh
2: 893
1: No, that's close
2: though. Oh, wow, that's
1: pretty close. I mean, that's amazing. I have not dialed that, that. I have not dialed that number since what? What year? Uh,
0: for like twenty-five years.
1: I, and I almost got it right.
0: Yeah, and, but I did get it right.
1: Do but do you my remember number. my phone number? Which is still my yeah, parents' that, phone I mean, number. That's
0: easy. I'm not gonna give say it to it. me. It's still your parents' phone number. I don't want them to have to beep anything out. It's too much work. You know that you know it though. Yeah, I'll definitely know it.
1: You want to call it right now?
0: Yeah, I call it all the time. Talk to your mom. Okay. We just we just we have a connection. That's good. <laughs> Me and uh, Mama Di. Mama Di, Di, we call her Diane. Right? Uh, but it's weird. It's I mean your parents are still together. It's it's weird having your first memories and growing up in a house where I know this guy's not my dad. He's just a stepdad who like I didn't have that much of a connection with him. It was like it. There was this feeling of, well you're not my real dad, you're just my stepdad, you're my mom's uh, husband, so we're not gonna be that tight,
1: you know? He still spanked you, though.
0: But he, he and, he, and he should have, and he needed to, the times that he did, he probably should have done it more than that, but we weren't that close, and it was this thing of, okay, I have a sister, but she's not really my sister, and I don't like her, and I don't like her even more, because I, can, I have permission to like her even less, because she's not a real sister, mm. and I don't have to really love Jimmy. I can just either like him or not, or tolerate him. That, that's kind of what I grew up in, and that was that's all I knew. But it was, I mean, I was certainly envious when I go to your house uh, as a youngster, and be like, oh, look at this happy family. There's two brothers who are real brothers, and both the parents actually live there, and. <laughs> They uh they drink milk for dinner. We did we, isn't that nice. We drink a lot of milk. That's why I'm six foot seven. And Kids. I remember thinking, Well, I'm going over to a house where there's like an intact family. Like there was a sense of You you,
1: you thought you thought about that.
0: Yeah, and I was like, I guess if the parents are still together, you drink milk for dinner.
1: Well, and you know that never And it, I hated milk. It never crossed my mind. I I never thought like it I never I never was like I wonder. This is kids don't think about this. I think kids nowadays think about this because they're more like in tune with what everyone's feeling because of the internet. But I, I definitely didn't think about that. I never thought that. I wonder how Link feels about this. Does the fact that you know I have a, a dad and mom who lived together how does this affect him? And I also did not ask the probably the more important question, which was, how does the fact that he lives with a stepdad affect him? I mean, we didn't even talk, well, and, like and you not, didn't even think about that, really. Nine,
0: nine years old, you don't have, you don't have these type of uh, deep conversations. Matter of fact, you don't have them until you have an ear biscuit without a guest.
1: Well, but you know the sad thing, and you, uh, you know this, uh, probably by the time when this ear biscuit comes out, my parents will not be in that house.
0: That is sad, because I have a lot of memories of... Uh, of uh, you know, being jealous of your family in that house. No, I, I wouldn't say. I, I, <laughs> They're I, moving on. My parents I, bought I a new house. I don't think that I was jealous. But, um, and Jimmy wasn't a bad guy. Remember, he built that fort oh, yeah. for me. And uh, really for us. Like, you were pretty much the only friend that came to my house. And we would walk out I there. I went to a lot of people's houses.
1: Not Not to make you feel... Not to make you feel bad, I went to your house more than anybody's, but I was addicted to spending the night at people's houses. i would, would I would meet a new kid at school, he would be there a week, and I would invite myself to spend the night with him. I don't understand why. I was just like, "Hey, dude, can I spend the night at your house? Can I look in your refrigerator and see what your family's like?"
0: I, I think it's a I mean it's a personality thing, but I also think it it may be a sense of security. I was absolutely terrified to stay at anybody else's house. I mean that one time that we had that sleepover at Adam Nicholson's house, and he and he showed us Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. And then afterward, we walked around in the dark in the woods in pitch black, and we're like in fifth grade. Yeah. Like I was terrified, man. And then I opened his refrigerator, and it was like, <laughs> wow, there's a lot of food all over the place in here. Yeah, the refrigerator was scary. I was my refrigerator fascinated at home by was was very neat and very orderly, and that made me secure as secure as i could be but i guess i was still i didn't have the security of 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 comfort of of uh to be able to leave home but we had that fort it was basically just you remember it was just two trees i remember it with two two by fours connecting between the two trees like eight feet in the air it was probably like five feet in the air but we just felt like it was really tall
1: well it was the kind of fort that you get you you get up there and then you sit there and you're like, well, what do we do now? And then you get down out Come of the Come back fort, down. Right? <laughs> because it's But Jimmy made that. It for, was awesome to me. be out there for a few seconds.
0: Um, okay, I should ask you a question you should. at this point. Um did you or do you resent your dad? Yes.
1: No. Oh. No. <laughs> finish the
0: question. <laughs> Let me finish the question. Do you resent your dad for all the basketball drills he made you do? I, I, I really want to know how you feel about that today. I know we've talked about the fact that your dad was basically the the impetus in in both of us going to engineering instead of going to film school, which by the time we were graduating from high school, that was the application of the blood oath, was let's go to film school at, at UNC Asheville. Mm-hmm. And he was like, no, you need to do something sensible, Rhett. And I'm like, well, I'm, okay, I'll do that too. Um, but he wanted you to be a basketball player in college, and he made you do all these drills, like... How, how there were there was a span there when i couldn't you were like oh don't come over to hang out until i've done my drills so i'd have to wait 2 hours mhm how how much <clears throat> you were being groomed to be a basketball star well i, I for nothing do you hold that against your dad for nothing that's my question <laughs> well then that was a statement for mo- for nothing question mark um you're not a basketball player i
1: was one heck of a basketball player at one point though and I can still beat you.
0: Well, first, first, before <laughs> you give me, at least categor, characterize the amount of work that you put into it and, and how your dad was involved in
1: it. Yeah, that. okay, so, you know, uh, I was tall. That's a well-known fact. I still am. Uh, I was athletic. That's disputed at this point, but I was very athletic, played all, all kinds of sports and was successful at them and loved them and was very competitive. Still am competitive, but... Um, I, I wanted to succeed. I mean, I had an older brother, three years older than me, uh, two years older in, in age and three years in school, and we were very competitive. We played a lot of basketball. We were a very athletic family. My dad was very much into sports, and so we were too. Um, so as soon as I—I sh- was self-motivated. It, it, up to a certain extent, I was very self-motivated. Uh, eighth grade, I, I, you know, I wanted to be the basketball star. When we got to high school, all I could think about was getting onto the the JV team. By the end of my freshman year, i had been put on the varsity team to play in the the, the state playoffs. And I was, and and I just thought, I mean, it had definitely been ingrained in me that listen, like you can be a basketball star, you can uh, pay for your college this way. And you got to understand that, you know, from a very young age, not only was I interested in basketball, but I was the ball boy one of the ball boys for Campbell basketball. I remember how much I was into Campbell basketball. Yeah. Went to every single game. I was the ball boy along with my brother and Brooks Lee and Michael Juby. And um, I wanted that really bad. It was like really important. So when high school rolls around and then it's just like, okay, now you've got to get good so that you can get recruited and play college basketball. My dad, my dad was not, he, he was, uh, he wasn't overbearing. It was, I mean, he, he has that kind of personality and people see that he, you go to a basketball game. My dad's there. He's going to yell at the ref. He's going to yell at the coach. He's going to yell at me if I'm on the court. I I don't know if something about my personality. I never, it never hit me until later in life that like that should have been embarrassing. Mm. Like to have your dad yell at you to do something differently from the stands in high school in front of everyone. Like most people would be embarrassed by that, but I was like just pull like, your
0: pants up.
1: I was like looking at him. And then the coach would Coach Gage would have to tell me, he was like, Don't listen to your dad, listen to me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And wow. I was just like, Oh, okay. I you know. So there But was, you didn't care. I didn't care. I wasn't embarrassed by it. And then he would be like, You need to you know, you need to do these drills, uh, you need to do the three hundred shot drills. So I would do things where I would shoot three hundred shots a, a day. Uh, How
0: long does it take to shoot 300
1: shots. Uh, I don't know. I, got ball, and I had ball handling drills. Uh, and, and first of all, you gotta understand, I was actually, I was very naturally talented and did a lot of work, but I didn't do nearly as much work as a, as a guy who actually ends up being a great player does. But then but, he, he but got Rat, like the strength
0: shoes. Yeah, so Rat had a, in his front yard, he was basically at the, at the end of a dead-end street. Not really a cul-de-sac, but there were, you had, your dad Put a basketball goal out there, mm-hmm. and then so you would play on the street because it was the end of the street. But then I, I remember coming over there one day, and under the basketball goal there were three increasingly larger sized boxes. Boxes made out of plywood. Oh yeah, and and the and the, the pa- tall- painted painted burgundy. And the tallest one was like four and a half feet tall.
1: No, it was big enough to. For a, for a white man like me to jump up onto and from then, the
0: ground, I was like, "Right, what's this?" And then he's like, "Well, I it's my strength shoe boxes." And then you had these shoes, it it shoes shoes that looked like the Starship Enterprise turned upside down. <laughs> yeah, it was a shoe, but then it had a platform built off of the, the toe of the balls of the feet, but just the toe, so that your heel was suspended in air, and you were forced to only use the balls of your feet to run around. Yeah. Sounds like a torture device, right? Well, and it was, supposed it, was. To,
1: it was supposed to increase your vertical... I couldn't jump, but I was tall and it didn't really matter. It was supposed to increase your vertical leap and your quickness and all these things. You know, my dad also had the big ball. You remember that? Yeah, a big basketball. It was a, a ball that was a few inches bigger than a normal basketball, and if you could shoot with the big ball, then you could shoot with the regular ball. You know, the interesting thing, sidebar, my dad is still into these devices. My dad is a prolific golfer he plays once a week and he's probably gonna he's gonna retire soon he's gonna play all the time and he wears strength shoes he has if you, you know you're watching tv and you see a, a a device a golfing device being sold my dad has that like every single thing that you can buy every contraption every driver it, he has all of it and every time i talk to him he's like i got the so-and-so so and it's just a thing that'll make you break your wrist in the right place and so I see that going back, and I'm and I'm the same way. You know, he's compulsive. The look, gimmick, the gimmick. Yeah, he's into the gimmicks. He's into the you know, things being compulsive about that, and so am I. But the, your question was, do I
0: resent that? I don't because, because there were long hours. I mean, you would have to wear the strength shoes and jump up on the box, jump down, jump up on the bigger box, jump down, jump up on the third big box, jump down. I mean, this is like it. Whenever I came to visit you, it was like, man, it's like going to a, uh like a, a torture camp, like Guantanamo.
1: I I, I honestly can say I, I don't resent it. I, <laughs> it, it, it here's, what, here's what happened. I worked pretty hard, a lot harder than most kids work at their sport, probably. And I was good at it. You know, I had a lot of success. I had the opportunity to play college basketball. I turned it down so we could go to NC State and be engineers. That's kind of a, a different story. But the The idea of being taught that, no, you have to work hard, you have to practice, you have to devote X amount of hours to this if you're going to be better than everyone else at it. If you're going to be the best. Yeah, because this isn't just some hobby, right? This is like, do you want to be the best at this? And I just think that's how, that's how my dad thinks and that's how he taught me to think. And so I think that... The, the, the long story is that we ended up getting, and we started this band, the Wax Paper Dogs, and we thought that we were going to be rock stars, and that immediately d- took me off of the basketball track, and I was yeah, like, I don't want to do this.
0: Superseded the basketball aspirations Yeah, because I
1: was like, you know, I'm not going to be in the NBA. I wasn't that good. You know, I might go to, like, a lower-level Division One college and, and basically just be a basketball player, but I'm like, oh, I'm not going to be able to play music. And what is Link going to do? Because we wanted to go to the same school. and The blood oath? Yeah, the blood oath. It all comes I mean, back to the blood oath. And, I, my, and my dad accepted that. And, he, and I know that he, it let him down a little bit because he wanted one of his kids to be a college athlete. I know that for a fact. And I had—and my brother was very good at basketball, too, and he could have played at a smaller school, too, but he ended up going to Carolina. He wanted to— um, you know, go to a, a good school and get a get a real degree. And so I ended up doing the kind of the same thing. And so I know that that was a disappointment, but he he never let me know it. He never said it. Ne- he never said anything. When I decided, hey, I'm going to NC State. So no, I don't resent it. It wasn't overbearing. It was just, he's he's an intense individual, but uh I think I needed that.
0: I, I remember kind of watching from the side... Well, literally watching from the sidelines. I was certainly was no basketball player. Um, But not only that, but watching from the sidelines of this whole drama of, are you going to be a basketball player? And we didn't talk about this blood oath thing when we're like juniors and seniors in high school. It wasn't like, man, you can't be a basketball player because... We we signed a blood oath like a couple of years ago. But we did talk about it a little
1: bit because remember we went through that whole phase where we talked about UNC Asheville because I was being recruited by UNC Asheville.
0: but I I remember thinking that I I just couldn't, it's not like I could make an argument to convince you that you shouldn't be a basketball player, you know? Uh, But I remember being nervous about it. It was like, well, you know, we had this kind of vision for what we were going to do and it was being threatened but it was just something that I couldn't I couldn't press
1: but I also feel like when we made the decision to be engineers um we also kind of concurrently made the decision I think passively that this blood oath thing was probably just this like we're going to be friends forever yeah it, i i cuz i think that it the practical really overpowered the dream And we didn't have a lot of opportunity. It was like, well, we're not going to film school. That seemed like the only shot that we had at this. I'm not going to move to Los Angeles, you know? I'm not going to... Well, we didn't even talk about that. No, it wasn't... Los Angeles didn't exist. We didn't know a person, a, a person who had ever moved to Los Angeles. I had moved from there as a child, but we didn't know anybody who moved there
0: to do anything. Not one person. We never discussed it. Yeah,
1: yeah. It was totally off the radar. So... I, I just think we, you know.
0: Yeah, we, and as engineers, it was the type of thing that yeah, it was just okay. Yeah, now we're just going to do this, but we're still friends. And,
1: yeah, yeah, and and, I, and listen, I, I don't want to. I also want to isolate this conversation to childhood and high school, and I don't. Wanna, okay, we, yeah. we, we, we can talk about the the career stuff. Sure. Let's let's move it back a little bit. Do
0: so you have another question? I have for another me? question
1: for you? Um, and that question is, why did you care about school? Because let me premise that with. I cared about school because I was scared of my dad, as we've established. Loved my dad, respected my dad. I was fearful of my dad uh, because he did not put up with, you know, he didn't put up with uh, bad performance, including grades. And so it's just like, I was always a straight A student, except for conduct, I had problems in conduct, but I got straight A's in the subjects. And if I made a B, it was a it was a really big deal. You can't make a B in the McLaughlin household. That's a failure, right? So I, I carry that all the way through high school, all the way through college, and never made a C. Always made a B. That was the worst I ever did. But you did exactly the same thing. Actually, probably were a, a slightly, definitely a better college student than I was, and a slightly better uh, high school student.
0: Why? What? Why did you care? I was just naturally smarter than you. <laughs> no, um, I don't know. I, I think I, I just felt like, and it wasn't this, well, if you're going to do something, you got to do it to the best of your ability. It wasn't uh, an external um, value that I was taught. Um, but I think it, and I don't know that it, but on the other extreme, I don't know that it was kind of a people-pleasing thing, but it was like, well, okay, if i mean i mean i'm a student i'm supposed to do the best that i can i, I it was just
1: but if you had to brought home a c it was just an approach There was your mom would your your mom would have been disappointed but that would be the end of it
0: no my mom was not a disciplinarian in in, in any in any way really i mean uh i was her only child you know and uh, The only child she would ever have. I think that she had that sense. So, you know, I was the baby. It was, there was not a lot of discipline going on or, um, so she was not driving me to do it, but it was something that I've just always had that, uh, and I don't think it's a good thing, by the way, that I just felt like, well, okay, I'm just supposed to, I just, I have to be good at this. And I, so I don't, I don't even think I know. I think now there's what were you scared of though? Because I wasn't scared of anything. Well I would maybe just feeling like a failure. It's like if you don't do your best, you just feel like, well, I just kinda like Well, if I'm gonna do this I have to I have to really try. I wasn't trying to please anybody. So I don't know. What do you think? Well, I got Do you, you.
1: have a theory? No, I don't. I just it, it and I and it hit me recently. Because cause cause I know, ex- I, cause I, like I said, I know exactly why I never slacked off. Right. I, I, there was My parents, both both my mom and my dad, they just instilled this fear. My mom used to say all the time, like even as we were going off to get ready to go to college, she was like, now you've gotten by with straight A's in high school just because you're smart. But when you go to college, everybody's smart and you're really going to have to work. So I remember that first semester, me and you roomed together and we just, Studied Our Killed freshman it. year, we just studied it. all the
0: time. You know, 4.0 freshman year, and... At a certain point, you realized that you didn't care that much, and it didn't matter to work less. Sophomore year. I never had that realization. Like, you'd be out, you and Greg, our roommate, you'd be out playing video games, and I would be studying for, like, four more hours because just a blind sense of obligation to, well, if you start it, you have to finish it and you have to do as good as you can. If you don't do the best that you can do, you're robbing yourself of something. Uh, I mean, maybe my Nana kind of taught me that if you're going to mow grass, don't don't just make sure all the grass is cut. Make sure it's cut the best it can be cut because I cut all her, her neighbor's yards. And that she said, don't half ass anything. The only time I heard my Nana cuss as a kid was when she told me that. <laughs>
1: don't so, half ass the grass.
0: Don't half ass the grass is the only time I ever heard a cuss, uh, uh, as a kid. Now she's just, you know, she she's found she she now. She doesn't care. And neither do I, <laughs> but I don't know that it, she instilled, instilled that. I think it, I think it was. I don't know. I don't know. It was just. I just. If I can't do it, I have to do it, and I'm going to be a failure if I don't.
1: No, mm. yeah, well, I did. Yeah, because it didn't hit me until by,
0: by the, college. By college, it was a. I got to make the best grades because that that links directly to getting a good job, and I've always been anxious about money. I don't think money was related to grades at a young age, though. Hmm. I should. I should give you another question. You should. Wasn't it weird watching horror movies with your mom? <laughs> I, I know that as a kid, she would like put on Hellraiser and watch it with you, but. Yeah, she would. And you've kind of talked about it as, isn't this funny? And like, you come from this like, really conservative family, and but in this particular area, it. You, and that was kind of the joke, that your mom literally, when you were in middle school, Watched Hellraiser with you. She would go and rent a video videos all the time, and then you you'd watch horror movies with her. Yeah, and well, and, and, and after that Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I've I, I I wouldn't watch a horror movie for until I graduated from college.
1: I think the, the deal with my mom is that she took the uh, the motion, motion picture associations uh, guidelines very 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 literally. It said parental guidance. You know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So she guided you in front of the television right. to watch it with her. Yeah, yeah. As long as she was there. It's like, Hellraiser's
0: not PG, dude. No, no. It's I'm, R.
1: It's restricted. It says parents strongly cautioned. It says, you know, uh, children not permitted without their parents. But that means you are permitted with your parents. <laughs> <laughs> I well, think. What that's, age
0: were you when you saw Hellraiser with your mom? Middle school, man. And what was that experience like? Because, awesome. Because for me, that would have been I, the worst thing ever. I, I loved it then. I love it now.
1: My mom, my mom is, the, you know my mom. She's the sweetest lady. She is, the, she is, first of all, she's the sweetest lady, but she's, she's still very conservative. And, but she has this, Part of her, which is dark side. No, no, she likes that kind of thing. And and she she called me. She t- she texted me you know, a couple of months ago. Whenever this movie was in the theater, and she was like, "I just watched Insidious two in a theater all by myself." <laughs> So it, you know she <laughs> she's this this
0: me, not me, not only meaning she didn't have a date like your your dad didn't go with no, her. My
1: mom goes to movies by herself. But there was no one else in the theater. She was the only one. And then it, and she said something like, "It was so scary, but I loved it." <laughs> so and I'm to, I totally relate to that. She 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 instilled that when we invited all of our friends over here for uh, my birthday to watch The Conjuring. Well
0: well that that's the point. You, want, you had to get-together for your birthday, and that was the idea.
1: It was to get a bunch of grown men together and to scare the crap out of them and watch them act like little children, and that's what they did. It was embarrassing. I was embarrassed for half of those, those guys. Now, I was scared out of my <laughs> mind, but I loved it. I don't know. It's just that we, it's, we like thrills like that in my family, and my mom has just always been like that. Was it weird? N- no. It was awesome. Did it affect me negatively? I don't know. I still like horror movies. But it turned out okay.
0: I went to my dad's. I had visitation every other weekend, and I and, uh, he play, I remember he rented Lethal Weapon 2, which has a sex scene in it. And uh, I guess by the time the sex scene came on, and I was like in third grade or something, and he didn't, you know, it was like, he just let it roll.
1: Regular speed. Regular speed. I watched a lot of sex scenes in Fast Forward. <laughs> With your mom. A lot of really quick thrusting.
0: Yeah, oh gosh, because that's horror movies. There's got to be the sex scene. Lethal Weapon 2, I mean, it, was, it was a great movie, but there's a sex scene that uh, I wouldn't recommend for any of my kids or a third grader.
1: Yeah, my, my mom never let the sex scenes just live in their regular pace. That would have that, that been wrong. But <laughs> the <laughs> fast. Just, yeah, you had to get through it. So she, I mean, she... So
0: you're... So you're she uh,
1: restricted me somewhat.
0: Your performance expectations now in marriage are yeah, yeah. are to
1: be very quick about I, it. I brought you a, thought it was a lot a... of weird perspectives into my marriage <laughs> having seen only fast forward sex <laughs> my my entire uh, life. Yeah. Wow.
0: Yeah. That's great. I was so embarrassed with that. I remember. Um we didn't discuss it. I didn't tell my mom.
1: Now, speaking of guilty pleasures, uh like horror movies, uh you now I I'm in the same boat, but I feel like you had a, a special passion for it. Gangster rap. Um, tell me about your obsession with gangster rap and how that came about.
0: Now, one of our first videos on our YouTube channel was White Boys Visit Compton, which was a podcast. First, you'll see that it says Rent and Link Cast, and uh, we released it on iTunes, and we started putting them on YouTube. That video, we give a little bit of this story, actually. I've, I haven't seen it in so long, I don't remember, but the the start of my love for rap music was... Your brother, Cole. Mm -hmm. Um, Cole was, it was so cool to go to your house because not only did we get to hang out and we were friends, but a guy who was four years older? Three. Three years older was there. I was like, okay, this guy's a, we're, we're, we're in eighth grade. He's a junior in high school, man. Yeah. And he would try to pin me against you. Like not physically, but like, I remember that he would say, "Okay, y- you'd say, I got the new, I got, I got the new DJ Jazzy Jeff tape," and he'd be like, "I got the new Young MC tape," and this is this is way back in the day, but and he would say, "Which link? Which one do you like better?" <laughs> and I'd be like, "Well, I got to pick whoever like who Cole likes better because he's older and he's cooler." You didn't think he was cool. Oh, I mean, he was a jerk. You would guys getting you would get in fights, and uh, I would just laugh and laugh and laugh. He would make you angry. Oh, in front, me so he was so mad. Would, he would make you angry in front of me just to embarrass you. Oh yeah. And then you and got
1: I, and I and I took the bait every time.
0: And you, I remember you got mad that one time, and you started chasing him. And he ran in his room and, and slammed the door, and you threw your speed stick deodorant against the door, and it went everywhere like a firework. But you know
1: what he was saying at that moment? He was saying that I liked Melissa Hood. Oh, remember that Melissa Hood? She lived uh, in the neighborhood.
0: Oh yeah, I remember.
1: And uh, I, not, nothing I,
0: wrong with liking Melissa Hood.
1: I didn't like her though. I mean, to the I'll, to this day, I'll throw deodorant at you if you tell me that I liked <laughs> Melissa Hood. No, but he he just would start it, and he would, and he kept pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. And I remember you, the two of you ran. I I can vividly remember this. I had a good arm, and you got you you ran into his room, and I came into the top of the steps, and I and remember speed stick deodorant. And I threw it, it would have hit him between the eyeballs. If he didn't slam the door. He slammed the door, and it just blew up all over the door. white,
0: white. Everywhere. Dust, particles everywhere. I was so mad. Um, But he liked gangster rap. Iced tea. NWA, and, May, and it was so off limits to listen to this stuff. And well, that's another
1: thing. Now My mom had let, 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 let's watch uh, horror movies with her, but she did not know, uh, she was ignorant about the gangster rap. She did not know what was being rapped about in my brother's room.
0: And I felt like it was so cool to come to your house and I felt like I was friends with a high schooler. I mean, I wasn't, but I had that illusion because I, if I took his side, you would be angry and I would seem cool. Mm-hmm. It was great. And, and this music was,
1: everyone always thinks that things have gotten worse. I, I, everyone thinks that things get, you know, there's moral degradation as time goes it on. It has not. No. It, that's not the case. Okay? People have always been bad. People have always been good. Now, the music has not gotten any worse. I mean, may- maybe there's a little bit more mainstream. acceptance. Well, it was,
0: I mean, NW was very misogynistic, and it was very, I mean, and it was very brutal. I mean, it talking was about over the top g- gang gang violence, but also, I mean, she was just
1: it was out of the this worst world. songs
0: were, they were explicitly sexual, misogynistic. It was, uh, I mean, there were a couple of songs that Cole felt so bad about that he. He taped over them on yeah, his yeah, yeah. on
1: his cassette. Tape. He had a little bit of a
0: conscience. And the first CD I ever saw was one that Cole bought of a rap of like Gang Star. and yeah. I was like, "This is so cool! One day I'll have a CD player." He
1: didn't. I, to his credit, he did not have two live crew. Yeah, that, he, he knew there was a line somewhere, <laughs> and if it was just like, "Okay, two live crew is just rapping about sex," that's that's it. So he's like, "Okay, I, you know, I'm not I'm not going to do that, but we can we can stick with the other stuff."
0: Um, We haven't gotten to any Twitter questions. Uh, Maybe we should move a little faster for these last ones. Random TV USA wanted me to ask you, uh, who was your best friend before Link? I I don't know the answer to this, actually. Do you Uh, remember anybody uh, in California? uh,
1: um, That's a really good question. Um, I can honestly not tell you the first name of anyone from California. I was three, four, and five when we lived there. I'm sure that my, my mom could help me think of this, but no, no. no it,
0: Nobody do you remember? No. I mean, I, I grew up in, uh, my, my first best friend was Brad, this guy who I went to preschool with for years, and we like would dig holes in the driveway of... What's his last name? Uh, uh. McDonald. Brad McDonald. Um, so we were like preschool buddies. It was just two of us. Loretta Kepas. She's like four foot, three inches tall woman yeah um and then kindergarten matthew enzor who we were friends with all through high school yeah was i thought he was the coolest guy because he could run almost as fast as randolph clegg who was a black guy and you weren't friends with black people when i was in kindergarten i'm just you know that's just the way it was so randolph was the fastest guy i wanted him to be my best friend but he was black so Matthew, the the fastest white guy, had to be my best and friend.
1: I, and I want to clarify, because I think that there's a lot of people who don't come from the same area in the same time that we came from. And it was a time when... Yeah, he um, saved
0: me <clears throat> if I've said anything yeah, well, offensive.
1: I, 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 I want to clarify that we come from a place where uh, there was, you know, systematic racism and... It was ugly. It, but it wasn't open. You know, by the right. time it was 1983, 1984 no one was saying any, we didn't hear people say racist things directly to people. We didn't hear white people talk directly to black people in a racist way.
0: But, Hardly ever. But they but, also didn't talk to each other. But, you would,
1: but, but white people would talk negatively about about black people and vice versa uh, within their own groups. And then you were friends with with uh, people of other races. And really where we come from it was just white and black people. That was it. There were really very few Asian people, very few Hispanic people. But... Uh, you didn't hang out, and you weren't real friends. You didn't go to each other's homes and that kind of thing, and it was just the way it was. And we didn't know we didn't know any difference. So I, I'm just clarifying, there wasn't like thank, you. Thank you for rescuing me. Yeah. I,
0: I was I was no more racist than anyone else at the time, but I was I was brought up in that, and so I felt like okay, the coolest people are the people who can run the fastest. Because in recess every day, they we would have like student organized race, foot races. Fastest people were the coolest people. I was nowhere near the fastest, so I just wanted to be friends with the fastest person or the fastest white person. Because that, and was, that was Matthew. That was my only option. Yeah. Matthew Enzor. Um and then it was uh first grade when the next year when when we met. So I had a couple of uh best friends. Now Matthew Enzor's best friend was uh J.R. I can't remember his last name right now, the blonde kid. So I knew that it was not reciprocated. I was not his best friend. He so didn't I, give it back. I was very frustrated. And and then when, you know, we were, I mean, I, w- I don't know that we were immediately best friends. We were we were very close friends, but I don't know if you'd apply that label until that we were best friends. Were we really?
1: I, I would say that um, we were as good of friends as I had yeah. at, at the time all through elementary school. But I had these 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 friends that, I mean, really first and second grade, it
0: was kind of like, you know, I, I had you and Tate Maddox and Michael Juby. Tate Maddox at the time, he, I mean, he was kind of a tool. I mean, he wore duck head shorts with the shirt, his shirt tucked in. But we thought, Nobody else did But we that. thought that was super cool. I did. He always had a girlfriend.
1: Yeah. But, but then, I hated him but, for it. But then third grade, third grade is when Ben Greenwood moved into town and Ben became... You know, we, me, and you, and him. Whereas, and there were, and there were probably times. And I think this relates to Lexi Poe's question from Twitter. She says, "Was there ever a point when you guys were kids that you thought your friendship might be over?"
0: Hmm. Um, like a fight, no. But in terms of, am I, am I not, am I a second best friend now? Yes. Yeah. So,
1: so two, so two part question. The first one, uh, there was definitely a time in which I thought that Ben was my best friend. I'd say like fourth. 5th grade. We lived closer together. We spent more time together. Um the three of us were together almost all the time, but then there was also a year in their 4th grade and 5th grade which we were in different classes.
0: Right. So ben I w- was in my class and I would I would go over and hang out with you guys at Ben's house or at your house and you would you would report to me all the things you had done over the past 2 weeks when I wasn't hanging out with you. We found this weed that is hollow in the middle, and we've decided to smoke it, and we're calling it the Big George. Now, they did we they did not put anything in it. It was just it like was
1: just an actual weed. It wasn't weed. It was it was. An- and weed, a weed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: And you would lit it on fire, and you simulated smoking it like a cigarette. You had no clue what you were doing. You didn't even know what marijuana was, certainly. It was, it was horrible, though. But, but it was a weed, and you called it the Big George. Mm-hmm. And you would build lean-tos, and Ben had all these ideas. And I remember feeling threatened then that, oh, yeah, he, they're, they're best friends. I'm on the fringe. I live across town.
1: You lived across town, and you were in a different class. But I never thought that a like friendship. Like not
0: social class, like a, like a, litter, you were a, a different you, teacher.
1: You were in a lower class. You lived <laughs> in a smaller house. No. Uh, yeah, a different teacher. And and I don't know how they do it uh, in eighth grade, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth grade these days, but the way we did it is you were in the same class all day. Well, no, it's for sixth grade, but starting seventh eighth grade, we did have different classes, different teachers.
0: I, at this point in the, I'm just gonna like come back to the reality of the ear biscuit here. And at this point, I'm thinking... All of a sudden, we've lost our, I feel like I've lost myself in our past, and I have no clue how this feels to anyone listening. Like, I feel like, uh, oh, Red Link, come back to us. You're well, reminiscing
1: about your past. But that's why it's experimental. I mean, this is why we, this is why we tried it. Is this, Th- going,
0: I have this no clue how this This is we going. want to know
1: how you, how you feel about it, and if you want us to continue to do this kind of thing. But let me this, answer the this, second part of the question. Oh, okay. Was there a point when you were kids that you thought that your friendship might be over? Um, I would say, That there were times, and you've relayed this to me before, uh, which I think is also a question that you might have for me uh, about girls. I have a question for you about girls. I do, yeah. Um, And that is that I I was very obsessive about women, and fix would go from one girl to the next fixated on a girl, whether she reciprocated or not.
0: Yeah, so what's your question? Because I want to... I don't want to go too far.
1: Well, so, well, well, my, it's not really a question. I'm saying that there were times in which- Because of a girlfriend. I was so into a girl that yeah, I kind of forgot about you for a while. Oh,
0: long. that, I mean, that certainly happened, but I didn't feel threatened as a best friend because it wasn't another friend. It was a girlfriend. That's a different thing. Uh, I, I kind of feel like, I I, de- I definitely had the question. I wanted to ask you, why did you think why do you think you were so obsessive about girls? I almost don't want to ask it now because I feel like uh, when we want to keep the podcast to a certain length that I think there's some good stuff to unpack if, oh. if we decide this is a good thing Ooh, to do. We
1: can, wait for the, we can do the relational, the girl stuff, because there, there's a lot of girl stuff. Oh, a lot
0: of really good girl stuff. I mean you know, sharing first girlfriend, sharing first kiss, uh, like your obsession with girls okay. and my my fear of girls. That's I, what I, they call a teaser link. L- good. Let's make that another podcast. Um, not, not that we have to end it right now. I'm trying to see if I'm looking through these Twitter questions to see if there's another one. I, I feel like this is kind of part therapy, like couples therapy. Like mm-hmm. what's happening here? Maybe a little bit of that. Do, are you, fi- do you feel like you ha- you're you getting an appreciation of our friendship? I, it's so easy to lose sight of how long we've been friends because you just get into the grind of what are we going to accomplish or what do we have to do this week or this month or
1: well, where I, are we going? I, no, I, I think I am gaining appreci- appreciation of it. Finally. I do think it is a little bit like, not that I didn't appreciate it, I think it is a little bit like counseling without without a mediator. I do, if unless you call the mythical beasts who are listening, the Ear Biscuteers, the mediator, which is a weird way to think well, about it. Well,
0: I them. sense their presence.
1: Um, but I do, I, I think this is a good question to close with, and this is a question that we used... Um, as a teaser over and over again on Good Mythical Morning season three, I guess it was, when we would, on our question episodes, we would say, did you do this? You do you that? And did you ever, have you ever punched each other in the face? And we never asked the question. Did somebody ask that? So Deal Biz on Twitter, uh, who's followed us for a while, says, have you ever punched each other in the face? Hashtag Throwback Thursday. He's been a fan for a while, so he knows that this is something that we use all the time. As a teaser on Good Mythical Morning, so let's just close by answering that question: Have we ever punched each other in the face? No, we haven't. <laughs> okay,
0: so that's it. We haven't, but I, but I will say, I, and I have we ever have you ever reared back your fist at me? I mean, no, you you were throwing the deodorant at me and Cole.
1: Was, that was because Cole was involved, and I think that's the point I wanted to make, and that is, as children, as children. I don't think we were even ever even close to being on the verge of a physical altercation with one another, and I and I think that here's my theory. Okay, now, I, I have a theory, and and but I think that now, in current, our friendship is much deeper, much more complex, <laughs> stronger than it than it was when we were twelve years old. But the nature of our, you know, the nature of our friendship and the nature of our business, the nature of this being in this creative endeavor together, there are times when we get very mad at one another, and there are a couple of times when we've gotten really mad at each other. I'd say in the, it, probably ten times in the past ten years, where it's crossed my mind that we might be about to get into a fistfight, like we might be a, like we, th- that might happen, like really. Where we've we've been so mad at each other that it's crossed my mind that, like, it wouldn't be totally out of the question right now if one of us punched the other.
0: But is it, but are you really thinking it wouldn't be out of the question if Link punched me at this moment? Is that really what you think? Yeah, you, because I feel, I I don't, I I feel like you get madder than I do. Right. I feel like you think I would never punch him, but sometimes I just don't know. He just might go loose cannon on me
1: yeah yeah I, i'm like he's a lot madder than i than I thought that he was right now and i'm what i'm gonna say is that when you were a child <laughs> before you became a man uh that never happened like you you never had that in you you never had this you never had this like i might punch you right now I'm so mad i'm gonna punch you you never had that that was something that like began to emerge like after college i think
0: as a kid, I remember getting so angry at certain things that my mom uh, floated the idea that what if what if you got a pillow that when you got angry you would punch it? <laughs> like I remember that, and it's that was very
1: unsatisfying. I
0: think that was going into like dealing with puberty, but I do remember her making that suggestion. Hormones, you know, hormones going crazy, puberty going nuts—no pun intended—but. Uh I actually tried it. I went to my room and I punched my bed. And I don't remember it helping. Uh-uh. But it but it didn't play out in uh, in our friendship. Uh we didn't really fight. I don't think we argued. No, I mean what was there to argue about? I mean there's it, we got stuff to argue about every 30 minutes now cuz we're creating things. And there's right. a, you you have uh, cre- creation uh requires opinions and uh we're not always going to share the same perspective on things. Um,
1: well, I think we've learned to accept that... Uh, not that we couldn't do a better job of this, but in general, the create the creative process, there, for us, there's there's a give and take, and there's a, like, let's throw this idea back and forth. Sometimes, like, throw it pretty hard back and forth until it shakes out into what it should be.
0: Well, I also think that's another conversation is the whole creative process the fact that there is a lot of conflict involved in it so that now nobody we've sees got
1: three special episodes if uh-huh. you count this one then we've got the girl episode and then we've got the creative process
0: unless this is a fail okay. i mean i'm i'm open to that All right. i'm open to that maybe I, it was but i think it was good for us but this is if no one else hears this i think it was good for us to have some perspective on our on our friendship that Oh, this one's going out oh this you think? Oh yeah this one's going out Are you going to tell them that we we recorded er, a one earlier that never went out? Is that what you're implying? Mm, uh, Because I think I just accidentally told them that we already tried this and it didn't work. We we tried
1: this and it was a totally different format. We didn't like the way it turned out. Okay. There, we admitted it. (laughs) Maybe it'll be like on some secret channel at some point.
0: Yeah, it'll be, uh, yeah, one day we'll exploit it. And there you have it, a trip down memory lane double dose because it was already a trip down memory lane that then, well, you get the idea. Um, I'm curious what what your experience was listening um, to that episode from almost four years ago, what you learned. I mean, I, I'm actually curious because I haven't listened back to the whole thing if, um, if our stories changed a little bit. You know how when you tell stories again and because they were told in the book, if they shifted any if we got anything wrong at any point. Uh, or whatever your experience is, let us know using hashtag earbiscuits. Biscuits. Uh, we enjoy hearing from you in that way. And I just wanted to mention right quick, we've got some Ear Biscuits mugs. I, well, I call it a mug, but it's a jar. You know what it looks like. It looks like biscuit batter hardened into the shape of a jar that you can drink out of. And you know what, if you get one now, we've signed a bunch of them at random. So you might be one of the lucky recipients of an actual signed ear biscuit mug. I kept calling it a mug, it's a jar. If we can put a handle on it, well, I'll leave that to you. You buy one, uh, it might have our signatures on it, and then you can add your own handle and call it a mug. Let's call it a day. Oh man, it's been a long one. Rhett's now, I, I can feel it. By this point, he's like wrapping up his conversation, trying to escape litigation, trying to be friends with his neighbor.
2: I wonder how it's going, guys
0: let's let's send him some 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 positive thoughts well it they would have to travel through time by the time you're listening to it man this is how it would be if it's just me and you i'd just be talking to myself cuz i would forget you were there this is how i normally am when nobody's around i just start talking to myself and you know just you know,
2: start mumbling a little bit and then uh another music's playing which means oh yeah i, I didn't i didn't end it Maybe they'll just make a decision to end it while I'm just mumbling away.